0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. All that. So this, this helped heal the world. Our world. Our world. Came about and, and some thoughts I've had recently, and I, I just want to admit some things to you is, well, you already know this, the world is really messed up. It's really, really messed up. And, and you know, and I, I don't know, it's the longer we live and it's getting worse and worse. And that there is some theological, eschatological things that we're not even going to go there with that on that. But with the reality is the world's getting really, really messed up. And the world... And it being so messed up is massive. And so when we throw out a title like this, you know, come help heal the world, you know, it's like, that's how do you do that? But our focus on this is how how to heal our world, the world that we live in, and to start where we're at. See, I, I find myself overwhelmed and moved by the pain of not only the difficulties of people out there but the people that I know and you're like the world the the difficulties of life are very very hard in this massive world and then what I do and I make this mistake I turn on the news yeah I know Walter Cronkite is dead I just want facts I'm not getting them okay I'm just having to surf through all this and I would I would just say I'm kind of embarrassed on I don't, and this is not even a political thing. This is saying on both sides of the aisle, both parties or whatever party, it's just a circus. It's really more of a a train wreck. You know, you're just kind of, it's a horror movie. You're kind of watching like this. You're kind of like, what's going to happen? But you didn't want to look at the same time. That's kind of my posturing. And so as I've been thinking about this lately and and challenged a little bit, what comes, what happens to me when all that's going on is this. Who cares about it? I'm just going to do what I got to do and go about what I need to do. But within me, there is a civic duty. Within me, there's something that stirs with me. And I believe that as Christ followers, there's we live in the world. We're not to be separated and live in our own little commune. Jesus called us to be salt and light into this world. So we're in this thing, right? So if we're going to be in this thing, what are we going to do about it? Well, I encourage you, November 6th is coming soon. I hope that you filled out your voting information and all that and, and you 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 registered or, or you you mailed it or whatever you need to do to vote. Before you do that, could you pray? It's like Lord what what do you want me to do with this? And and vote. That's good. That's a good thing to do. But I would say on top of that for me is I, I just I have a bit of angst about the whole thing. And I find too that maybe you felt the same. The world's so messed up. There's, there's a lot of pain. There's more shootings. There's more corruption. There's more confusion, morality. And so we can kind of cocoon in our own state of mind. And I think that's the challenge for us, especially we go into the, the colder months. We get into our, our little homes and we, we Make the mistake by watching the news. Uh, but we also spend hours and hours and hours at Netflix and just binging and going, I'm just gonna cocoon myself in my little world and what I need to do. This is my world. Because my world is, and maybe this is be you saying, it's filled with a lot of pain and, and challenges already. I've got my own stuff. Why do I need to worry about anybody else? And yet, deep down, I don't know about you, deep down, that I know that's not right. And God has really been challenging me I said, well, what am I going to do? What can I do in this big, massive world? Well, I can do something. Within myself, I can, I can do, do something. So if you're feeling or like you're surrounded by a lot of bad news all the time, guess what? There's good news that there's good news. There's good news that's been good news for about 2,000 years or so. There's good news that we have. It's, it's lasted this long. It's called the gospel. And the gospel... It it transcends every generation and every age of history, and it's still as potent and as powerful as it's ever been to bring salvation and transformation to every single person in this world. So if you're a Christ follower, you and I are called to carry this gospel. The good news, and, and how do we do that, is to be healing agents that represent Jesus to the entire world. Now that seems really big and massive. How in the world can we do that? But we can. We have an opportunity. This last week I posted Facebook and we had posted an Instagram. This question, it was was, was something like this. If there was one thing you can do to bring healing to the world, what would it be? And some of you responded. There's one thing you to bring healing to the world. To this world, what would it be? Someone put the belief that depression and anxiety are just normal things students have to go through. To get homeless teens off the streets in our county. To alleviate sex trafficking and eradicate it from this earth. Uh, leave not a single place of, on the people who are untouched by the gospel. Just love and support everyone. Alleviate hunger. There's one in six people in the world today that won't eat. So much brokenness. There ego go, the list goes on. People, thank you for responding. Thing what, what can we do? What can we be a part of? And I think our response to it, simply to say and we acknowledge, is is a good thing, but we want I challenge us to take a little bit further as we do. So where we start is right here, where we start is and, and, and that as we work our way outward. Before we get into going after the whole world, we need to start with our own world. Because so, some of you might be here and going, my personal world is filled with all kinds of things right now. There's so many struggles, so many issues, so many hangups. And, and I want you to know that we want to be sensitive to that because as we start talking about what we can do for people out there, there's a need right here in our, in our, in our place, in our house, in our home right here as a church. And so I don't want to bypass that at all but the hope is, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about this, that in our woundedness and our pain and all that we're going through, that we really still can help reach out to the people around us. But God's plan of healing the world starts right here, and the best way he, he showed us was pretty amazing how he went about to heal the whole world. Jesus gives us the answer to that that we're going to look at today, but God's best method. It wasn't a marketing campaign. It wasn't a head of state or a king. It wasn't a massive, you wish sometimes like, God, why don't you just put a massive jumbotron screen up in the sky and you speak to everybody? He knew better. He knew what it was gonna take. And that was, he needed to be one of us to do it. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love what the Bible says in, in the message version, he moved into our neighborhood, that, that Jesus is the one that embodied it and he did it at the most local level. Jesus came in the most local way you could ever imagine. He was born in a cave. He was raised in this little Jewish village in Nazareth, the southern Galilee hills of Israel. Think about this. No power, no running water, no Wi-Fi. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Scripture Speaks of his birth, and then at twelve years old, it, it describes Jesus. All we got in his childhood is this: that he grew in the wisdom and, and stature and knowledge and favor of God and man. That's all we got. That's all we go off of in this childhood. And he was raised as a carpenter's son, but he, we know he was more than a carpenter. He had a, God had a bigger plan, a bigger purpose for his life the, to, to heal the whole world. What he would do is go through rabbinical training. At the age of thirty, when he finished that, he had his final exam. 40 days in the desert with the devil, tempted, overcame that, and had his public ministry. And he began his his time, the three and a half years of public work that he did. And Luke writes about it this, and I want to turn to it this morning. Sums it up this way, that Jesus, after the temptation, returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. See, what's interesting is that Jesus, when he started, he started off in the hills of the the shores of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And in fact, if you read through the four gospels, Jesus spent probably 80% of his time in Capernaum, this little fishing village. And people wonder why. Well, what's interesting about this area is, is that's where Jesus was needed the most. It was considered with some of the most marginalized people in the region, and they were the most receptive to Jesus and who he was in the ministry he started to, that he started there to help heal the entire world from. But time went on a little bit, and his folks got a hold of him and says, hey, son, come on home. It's time we miss you. And so there's a, there's a homecoming weekend that is described in Scripture that Luke records. And when we look at this homecoming moment, within it, what Jesus reads and what Jesus communicates is the very DNA of the gospel. You could say it's the very ingredients of of what it takes to help heal the, the world, at least try to help heal our world, our hometown where we're at. So Jesus returns, visits his home church, actually his home synagogue, and it says this in verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been taught up. Or he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. We don't know this for sure. There's some presumption that Jesus had, at least they know that he was a respected rabbi. And that he had a bit of a reputation already that he had reached out. The Bible says before, Luke says that in Capernaum, and there was a ministry that was happening there. And so coming home, there was, a, there was something favorable about Jesus. I mean, it's not the Jesus that we know in the sense of the now that we know about Jesus. He was just beginning to have some reputation, a very positive reputation, being, being well-known. But it was very early on in his ministry. But we do know that they asked him, however it was, like, Jesus, you're home here. Hey, why don't, you, why don't you step up and do some reading with us? And so he went and read in the portion where, where they read from the prophets. And this is what it says. And oh, actually, before that, I wanted to show you what, uh, I flew all the way to Nazareth to show you this. So there, there's, there's the synagogue. It's actually a replica of the synagogue of Jesus' time in Nazareth. And, and then to prove I was there, here's, here's me. It wasn't the exact scroll, was an exact scroll of Jesus, is a replica of that, but that, that's actually in Nazareth. So it was a scroll like that. Un- unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, and it was, and this is what it says: "The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He had been anointing me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." You need to know, this prophecy was sent. That, that that was read was 600 years old at the time. 600 years had passed before Christ, where Isaiah wrote this, and he's speaking of generations. He's speaking of this Messiah to come. But you need to know it was generation after generation after generation had passed, and finally this proclamation. It's gonna, it's gonna. We'll see something happen here in a moment, but there's a waiting and hoping. But within this prophecy, speaks of really, as I said, the DNA of the gospel of how to help heal the world. He says good it's, he reads it's good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. What's the good news? Not just how to get out of physical poverty. There's a there's that aspect of it that we live in a world where one in 6 people on this earth will not eat today. We we live with that reality even today. But not only just physically poor, but economically there's poverty. Or there's economic poverty, but there's also Poor in spirit, Jesus talks about loneliness and depression and loss and lack of true meaning and relationship. People that are emotionally and spiritually bankrupt. There's people like that, then there's good news. Proclaiming freedom to the prisoners. I appreciate those, there's a few folks in here that reach out in prison ministry and care for the people that are physically in prison. But how many know that there is, Prison is more than just four walls, physical walls. People are in prison in their lives. They're, they're, they're captive by their own thoughts of their guilt and regret in the past and the things that overcome them. Jesus came to bring freedom to those prisoners. Recovery from the blind, not just physical. There's people that deal with physical blindness, but spiritual blindness. Paul talks about that the God of this age is blind in the minds of unbelievers. They can't see the, they can't see the light of the gospel, and then displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, and then sets the oppressed free. We have we, we live in a world where there's 27 million slaves, many of them are children and women and children in sex slavery in this world, sex trafficking. I'm so glad that we support Anggeti Refuge, uh, a restorative program for women who've survived sexual exploration and trafficking we we know that's a reality that's going on but even in that suppressing the 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 physical aspects of 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 abuse that's going on and people that are imprisoned by that there's also the shackles of emotional issues that people have and people recovering people that are filled and dealing with addiction this is real stuff that jesus is talking when he makes his proclamation and then proclaiming the year of the lord's favor what does that mean well it's not just saying today's going to be a great year. <laughs> this year is going to be a great year. It speaks of a year of jubilee where the Jewish people at the 50th year, can you believe this? So if you owed any money to anybody, like you had a mortgage, it was covered. If you had a credit card debt, it was covered. But wouldn't that be great, the year of jubilee to have that? We should say, we should proclaim that. Well, you, know, you might want to talk to your bank on that. But that's, that's what that was, this, this proclamation. Isaiah's prophecy that we're not just... About physically happening, but spiritually, that poor would find hope. Bail is posted for the prisoners. People wake up spiritually and see those enslaved have no more chains, and that there will be a day coming that all debt is owed will be forgiven. This, and the greatest debt that we have and we have to pay is very, our very sin. It will be forgiven. But guess what? After 600 years, the prophet wrote, the day had finally come of fulfillment. Luke writes this. Jesus did next in reading scripture, it says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to him, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If there's ever a drop the mic moment, that was the moment. What did Jesus do here? It's hard to emphasize how significant this was that they've been waiting for this Messiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Dozens and dozens of generations for this to come. Waiting and hoping and longing. Longing, but as persecuted people after invading armies and desecrating their temple and oppressing them, demoralizing them for decades after decades after decades, Jesus comes along and says, guess what? I'm here. I'm the guy you're looking for. I'm the one. These These words are my words. I am the Messiah, the promised one has come can you imagine just stepping up that jesus you're what's what's going on with you you just came home to declare this this is the hometown crowd's response what did we just hear it says this all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips So they're processing what's going on because it sounded really, really good. And it says they were amazed. Now, amazed can go good or bad, right? It could be positive, negative. It's kind of saying, wow. And people say, someone tells you some really bad news, you go, wow. Or it was really good news? Wow. Okay, they were amazed. There was something but gracious words. What did that really mean? Well, it means some would say this, that, that this the kind and wise manner his speech and what he said and the grace of God. And it just speaks of Jesus, his character, his nature. He didn't come to to the synagogue to be cocky, but he came with confidence. He came, as as Apostle John says, full of grace and truth. The hometown hero has come home. But people respond going, hmm, it's kind of mixed. What actually is taking place. In fact, this is what it says. They go, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Mary and Joseph's boy, how did, he, where, where did he come from? How, what's going on with him? And you understand they were they were unschooled peasant parents that he came from this little this little community. You got to think small town, and you got to think maybe two or three hundred people that lived in this little village of Nazareth. Nothing really comes from a small town. I mean, it's we're just backcountry folk, really. That, that, that how could this happen? How could this be the one that would come from? And and here he comes. He's a good talker. He's educated. He's becoming really well-known. And on top of that, he's doing some crazy supernatural stuff. But yet Jesus knew the heart and minds of everyone. And so you know what? Why not throw a little bit more fuel on the fire? He says to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physicians, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, you continue, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Have you ever heard of familiarity familiar breeds contempt? That was, what was going on here. Yeah, Jesus, you're our homeboy here. Right? But you really, are you really gonna do this? And Jesus is calling him on that. You really don't believe in me. You really don't trust that what I can do and what's gonna be fulfilled. And because of that, guess what? I'm not gonna do anything here. I'm gonna go do it down south you got to understand this. This is so important because he goes on, and I don't have time to get into it. He, he, he describes Elijah and Elisha and how they weren't accepted in their hometown either, so they did ministry somewhere else. you got to understand how this torqued them. And why did it torque them? Is because this prophecy was for them. They believed all these years this prophecy was for them. The thought of it being for anyone else, anyone outside the Jewish faith, anyone outside, because they're God's chosen people, because of that response, because of say, I'm going to take this message to people that are really going to accept this message, because you don't accept me for what it is, guess what? Things got a little bit heated. It says, next, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, this is interesting. Don't you think Jesus, God himself, has all the power I mean, he could have just zapped people along the way. Hey, don't touch me. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, he could have filled himself with electricity and like, and someone grabbed, some, somehow he allowed himself to, okay, grab by the arm and they're kind of bringing him up this hill. But then at the last moment, go, nah, I don't think so. And then, then takes off. Like, why do that? Well, we know this the reason he didn't die that day because his gospel said over and over that his time has not come. Jesus says, my time's not come. And he had ministry years ahead. He had years later. But there would be this contentious relationship that would continue on between the religious people and Jesus all the way through that would lead up to the cross. Religious people didn't like Jesus. you think, thinking, well, aren't they really? No, really. People that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. It was because there was a receptivity to the message. He was bringing a new thing, not an old. Uh, you know, refabricated message, but a new work, a new agreement that he was making between God and man. And that new work was going to help heal the world. Jesus modeled to us to start local. And even if you can, try in your own town in your own neighborhood and even with your own family. But how are we going to do that? Jesus models to us how to work from the inside out. Here's the question. How Can we start healing the world? How do we start healing the world? Well, we we do model what Jesus did for us. Here's a few practical thoughts. This is just to kind of get us started as we do these weeks together is this. First, believe that God wants to fulfill his scripture through you. God wants to fulfill his scripture through you. Jesus made this incredible, bold statement. He said, today, prophecy has been fulfilled. Rolls it up. And I would tell you this, I'm making a bold statement to you today, that prophecy is to be fulfilled through you today. Now, you're not the Messiah. That, that work has been done. That's been completed. No one needs to be, need that any longer. But we have a job to do. See, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. right here. All of us here. He is in us and so with that comes this prophecy to be fulfilled. If you're wondering how do we help heal the world, he gave us it right here to pray, proclaim good news to the poor. Who do you know that's poor? Some of you are like, uh, me. You're like, you might know somebody that's poorer than you, poorer in spirit than you, that needs emotional encouragement and help. Proclaim freedom from the prisoners. You're like, well, I don't, have any, I don't know anybody locked up. You, you sure you don't know anybody. People are locked up in their insecurities they're locked up in their challenges and issues that are going on. Is there people that you know that could use some freedom? Maybe start by mean by by your friendship? How about offering recovery to the sight for the blind? There's so many people that can that they, they think they got it all figured out, but they're completely blinded because they don't know Christ, and we have the opportunity to help them. Guide them along the way to Jesus to help them awake the spirit in, in them. And to set the oppressed free. If you know someone that's battling addiction, struggling, and we can offer help and prayer, not to enable them, but to empower them to get real help and to proclaim the Lord's favor. See, this is the most powerful thing to know is that we live in a favorable year because we know Christ grace means favor that we received the grace of God we can live a favorable life because of Christ and we can help others find the same so lord wants to fulfill his prophecy in you today this very work this proclamation that isaiah said hundreds now now 2600 years ago is now wanting, wanting to be fulfilled in you and I today because of Jesus. But here's the kicker on it. Not everybody's going to like it or like you when you do it. It's true with Jesus, right? comes to his hometown and the synagogue, and, and nobody, you know, and I tell you, when you stand up, when you speak out, and you reach out, you're going to stick out. And most of us need to realize that there is a tendency that we want to hide in a crowd. But as Christ followers, as comes a day where we're not, to hide in the crowd. We are to step out and step into the opportunities we have and you are going to take a hit for it. But There's a time and there's a place and there's a moment that we can stand up, that we can stand for those that no one else is standing for, those that can't stand for themselves. To fight the injustices there is for us to say, we are going to do something about it. But I love how Jesus was, did it with gracious words. Did it with confidence, not cockiness. The Bible says we need to be wise on, toward outsiders. We need, we need to share the hope that's within us, but to do it with gentleness and respect. Let's not be rude. Let's not be arrogant because our arrogance shows our, our insecurities that we don't really think we really believe. If we have complete confidence in the Lord, he's gonna, we just do what he's called us to do and, and allow that to happen. And I tell you, though, sometimes the, the feathers will get ruffled anyways, but we are to step out and step into the opportunities. Our kids aren't perfect, but one thing we try to raise our children is, is to be a, a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermostat is one that you, you, where the, you go and go. Man, it's cold in here. Let's let's turn it up. Let's get to the right temperature that we want. And I tell you, that's what we can do in our culture. Is we can come in into a setting and saying we're gonna we're gonna raise the bar. We're gonna we're gonna opportunity to get to a, a more positive. It's a negative climate. a More positive climate. A climate of hopelessness to a climate of of hope. And, and, and love and whatever whatever Jesus has called us to do, that we're not going to just measure the temperature as a in a thermometer, but we're going to we're going to raise it up. That we're called to do it again to be salt and light in our our community, the the people around us. It might be in your workplace, it might be in your school, it might be in your small group, even in your home. It might be even the place right here where you're putting them, man It's it's uh, it, people are kind of cold. They're not very friendly, huh? Maybe you're the one that needs to be friendly. You're the one that needs to reach out if you're feeling that right. And, and so there is opportunity that you and I have that we can. Not everybody's going to like it, but called to do the same. And then finally is this, to realize one simple act can make a difference. I always love that story with the with the little boy with the starfish. At least I got one. We saved one. We all have the one that we can reach out to, the one thing that we can do in life. And so as a challenge for us, we're going to give some opportunities to our Help Heal our world, and just some little things that we can do in, in giving and supporting and helping as we prepare for the holiday season. Do one thing, and that is today, before you leave, and uh, our ushers are going to have them for you. There's a, there's a grocery sack, and so it has a little tag here. It says food drive, but it's more than a food drive. You could say it's food and, and basic and essential guide. Uh, there is need for certain personal items as well as certain foods. The list that's on here is actually things they really, really need. So you're thinking, should I buy any of this? This is the stuff that the, the local food bank is low on. And so you're thinking, man, what could I do this week to help heal our world? Take a grocery sack and fill it up this week and bring it back. We're gonna have a bin in the back next weekend that you can drop that off. You're thinking, man, I don't know if I can afford a sack of groceries. I bet you could afford maybe one can of something. Like, what if we all did something? Wouldn't that be amazing? We just took a step. It might not be groceries, but it might be a smile this week. One of the things I'm going to try to do this week, and I'm, going to, I'm going to try to look people in the eye this week. I just thought of that. When someone's helping me with my, I order coffee, I'm going to look in the eye of the barista. I'm going to look in the eye of the person at the grocery store. I'm going to, I'm going to look in the eye of the, the, the people that are around me because we spend a lot of time doing this. What if, we, what if we looked each other's eyes? What if, we, what if we gave that kind of care? What are the simple things, one thing that we can do to reach out? I know this is super basic, but we're moving into a season of greed. We're moving into a season of consumerism. Let's just be a little bit more proactive. Take some steps this, this month that we can prepare for that. I don't know what that looks like, but I know what it does, it affects one life. You can impact one life. Ask my daughter if I could share this story one of the things i found with my our kids is that a lot of times we're we're able to reach out to people that in need through our own our own children through their own friends and camille has a friend that she's been friends with for a few years and and this girl had expressed that she has been cutting herself and in signs of bulimia so self harm and so she confessed that to camille and camille could, could tell by just the tracks on her arms and everything like that and what's going on and her heart broke for this girl but Camille would said to her friend that I'm gonna pray for you every night before I go to bed. And so one day, Camille said, "Hey, I, I prayed for you." She goes, "What time was that?" And I don't know what time it was. Maybe it was like 10:20 or something. She goes, "That was the exact moment where I was really, really struggling in depression, and I was in a moment that I actually was thinking about killing myself. Can you imagine, 14 years old, and..." That was such a moment that they had together and the bond that they have. And this girl's been over our house. She came over our house on her on her birthday, she spent the day with us. And pretty soon she goes, oh, by the way, it's my birthday. I'm like, really? Well, we're gonna have a party. So we ordered pizza and had fun and ice cream and all that. And like, man, this, this girl is in such need. And to be able to reach out and, and those little, little ways to this friend was so, so powerful. And we're seeing this change in this girl overnight or not overnight, over the last couple of years. And it's just been amazing. You probably know someone that's in that kind of place as well, don't you? You know somebody that's maybe a friend of a friend or a child, your child's friend or a person at work. What if we looked them in the eyes this week? What if we said, God, what is it that I could see scripture being fulfilled that I could be a part of helping heal their world? What would that look like? I'd like our team to come as we pray. And I'm recognizing as we go to prayer here today that we're asking a question again. Who is your one? Who could you reach out to this week? I want you to hear my heart every single week as we think about this, that I know there's, there's healing in your own life as well. I've got healing that needs to be done in my life. Some of you need physical healing. Some of you need emotional healing. Some of you are trying to get over some loss in your life. Some of you are getting over some pain that's not going away. I recognize there's real pain, there's real need of healing in our life today. I want you to know the Lord knows that, and he sees it. He sees exactly where you are. But in spite of that, in spite of that, could part of our healing process be opportunity to reach out to those in need as well? Come on, there's always someone that's got it better than you, but there's always someone that's got it worse than you. What if we had perspective or our pain to realize, as Shane shared last week, what he went through? Spoke to a lot of you last week. It's real. But what can we do? And I'm wondering, as we reach out, next week we'll be talking about more about this. As we reach out, what could God do in our life today to believe healing? So I want to pray for you today. But I want to pray for those that you're going to reach out to and the opportunity this week. And as we do, I want to pray this prayer of what Isaiah 61 proclaims. And so will you bow with me as we pray this? Let's pray this prayer. It embodies the gospel to live out on how we can help heal our world. Jesus, because of what you fulfilled already, you, Lord, want to fulfill through us. Your spirit is upon us. Lord, you have anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor, to send us out to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery for the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim, Lord, we proclaim the year Lord, the Lord's favor upon our lives and the people around us. And so, God, as we go into this, prepare for this holiday season, may we be more ready than ever. Lord, I just repent of my ambivalence, Lord. I repent of my apathy. I repent of my bad attitude that it seems like the world is just falling apart. And Lord, it is, but Lord, not without you in our lives to change us and bring healing in our lives so that we can bring healing to the people around us, Lord. Yes, Lord, start with us, but Lord, may you not end with us. May you, your healing power through your very spirit flow in us so it could flow out of us to the people around us this week that are in need, Lord. Help us to be sensitive. The hurting, the broken that are out there, Lord, in our lives, Lord, we pray. And God, be with those that are struggling right now. Lord, pr- pray for those that are battling, whatever they're battling, God, that you be close and near. And Lord, they would see that your healing power to heal their world. God, as you call us to heal others around us. We don't do the healing, Lord, but you use us as your healing agents to, to work through. We pray for awesome weeks here together as a church. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.